Sid. And I'm Jess. And, and this, this is, is the Book Boyfriend, Boyfriend Project. Today, we are going to be reviewing Hungry Like a Wolf by Jessica Lynch. So, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Jess read this book first and then decided, what book were we going to review? And then we decided to kibosh it. Was it The Cruel Prince? Um, so, for this review, we've actually gone through a couple of them. First, we were going to review The Cruel Prince. Then we were going to review um, a book by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Oh, Storm and Fury? Yes. Um, but we actually reviewed Blood and Ash earlier this month. So we were like, let's, let's break it up a little bit. So Jess read this book, told me about it, and I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So this is actually my first time reading the summary because I just kind of went off of Jess's summary when I was preparing to read this book. So it says, um, oh, this is a shifter romance, by the way. It's on Kindle Unlimited. So it says, he thought she was dead. He was wrong. In a world where paranormals live side by side with humans, everyone knows about Ordinance 7304, the Bond Laws, or as the paras snidely whisper to each other, the Clause Clause, a long and detailed set of laws that bonded couples must obey if they want their union to be recognized. Because it wasn't already damn near impossible to find a faded mate in the first place. Now the government just had to get involved. So this is, this is a third point of view book, correct? Mm, no, it's a multi-POV. So, because, um, like, my distinction between the two is, like, sometimes they speak like they're, it's in third person, but, like, you get, like, the thoughts and the feelings still, whereas in gotcha. third POV, you it's don't really like get as much, like, thoughts and feelings from, like, a distinct character. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two main characters in this book are Evangeline and Maddox Wolf. So this first awesome. little blurb is from her. Just like real quick. Okay. I love the name Evangeline. And as I was reading this, every time they said her full name, all I could think about is the little firefly in um <gasps> The Princess the and Prince the Frog. And Frog. <laughs> That's all I could think was him constantly being like, My Evangeline as he looks at the moon. <laughs> Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah, so all cute. I could think about as I was reading this book. That's super cute. And I love the name Evangeline. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love it. It's not my favorite, but like, it's I don't cute. Know. I really love like the old tiny ones like that. I think it's because I read, well, you read The Red Queen too. Mm-hmm. And Evangeline was in that book. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like her. Yeah, true. Anyways. Okay. Yes. So it says, I remember. Three years ago, Maddox Wolf lost his mate. Since there was nothing more dangerous than a bonded shifter on his own, Ordinance 7304 gave him three choices. Voluntary incarceration until he's no longer deemed a threat, a lobotomy-like procedure that would dissolve his bond, or a state-sanctioned execution so he could be with his mate again. And while death held a certain appeal in the hazy days following the tragedy... Maddox had his family and his pack to live for. So, refusing to give up his memories of his sweet Evangeline, he chose to spend the rest of his days in the cage. And the cage is like a prison. Yep, the cage is a prison for supernaturals that have been deemed unsafe for society. So, they take multiple precautions with, like, shifters. They have to wear a silver collar. And with witches and other things, like, I feel like there are other 
precautions taken. Yeah. We don't actually, I've only read the first one, so we don't get to see as much about the other cultures. Yeah. I've read the four that are out right now, so I've got, like, a little bit more insight, but honestly, they don't really touch on the cage a whole lot other than, like, a vague threat in the rest of the series, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, I don't know. I know the cage was, like, made by witches, but, mm-hmm. like, that's pretty much all we've got from it. Right. So, the, the next, like, half of the synopsis is from Evangeline's POV. Yes. Um, it starts with, I forget. There's a hole in Evangeline Lewis's memory. The doctors tell her that it's normal that she'll recover fully in time. After all, it's only been three years since the accident that nearly killed her. They never thought she'd wake up. A nagging, annoying sensation that something's wrong is the least of her worries, especially since she has so much going on. A new apartment, a new job, her mother's well-meaning attempts at matchmaking. But tell that to her wayward psyche. By day, she can't shake the feeling that something's missing. And by night, she can't escape the dreams of a gorgeous man with glowing gold-colored eyes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's entirely by chance when Maddox's brother follows the similar or the familiar scent to the beautiful brunette with the haunted smile, but Colt knows immediately what he's found, Maddox's mate, alive, if not altogether well. Once he learns the truth, Maddox will stop at nothing to get her back, even if he has to follow every twisted, convoluted letter of the ridiculous clause clause to do it. And when that doesn't work, sometimes a wolf has to do what a wolf has to do, stalking his mate, taking her captive until she remembers him... If it works, he'll have his mate back. If it doesn't, he's dead. Even worse, Evangeline will probably hate him forever. Maddox is desperate enough to take those odds. So, if you guys haven't picked up on it, um, this is a shifter novel in this kind of fictional world. There are a couple different kind of paranormals. They're called paras. It's like vampires. There's a couple different like subsets of vampires. There's ghosts. There's witches. There are these things called other siders, which are like angel-ish. I don't know. We're not going to get into that to this book because this book only focuses on Maddox and Evangeline. This is one of those series where each book is in the same world, but it focuses on a different couple and they're all kind of interconnected. Um, so maybe we'll touch on that really briefly at the end. But right now, it's just about Maddox and Evangeline. So the end of this like synopsis kind of gives like a these tropes are included mm-hmm. so it has faded mates second chance romance back from the dead captive romance and amnesia mm-hmm. so i'm not usually a fan of the amnesia trope mainly because like the entire time every time i'm reading one of those books all i want is like flashback chapters when she's getting her memories back and i can experience all of those memories at the same time mm-hmm. and i never get it every single time i want it but all it ever says is, oh, she got her memories back and she remembered everything mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I never like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with this one, there's actually a prequel novel called Mates oh. that you can read that is, like, the um, year that her and Maddox were together um, before, like, the accident that stole her memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... I'm really excited to read that whenever I get back around to this series. Yeah, me too. Um, But I also really, really love, like, the captive romance ones. Yeah, I do too. I really enjoy those. I especially like, like, the mafia ones where they're, like, 
I'm a mafia man and I've decided you're going to be my wife. So I'm going to take you captive until you fall in love with me. Mm, I can't say I've ever read any of those. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a new experience. Just like the whole shifter trope was. And I've got a lot of thoughts about the whole shifter trope. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with some world building. So we've already kind of talked about the fact that like paranormals exist side by side with humans Mm -hmm. um, and kind of the consequences of a rogue paranormal. (laughs) So in this world, I'm sorry if you guys can hear the thunder outside. It's thunderstorming. We're also under a severe thunderstorm warning. Oh, we are? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just enjoy the ambiance, I guess. So, um, there are, like, three different types of cities in this world. There are human-only towns, which are called ants in this world. Humans are called ants. Um, there are mixed cities, or there are things called bump towns, which are only paranormals. And these are kind of lightly lawless places, not in, like, a you-can't-walk-down-the-street, but, like, there are no, like, regular patrols here. And the paranormals just kind of rule themselves. And it yeah. in a surprisingly orderly fashion. I mean, it's not like they're animals. No. Like, they are, like, they do have, like, civility and everything. No. It's just they're no longer really abide by, like, the human legal system. Yeah. It's all, like, pack hierarchy-based or, like, coven-based or, like, you know. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So, in those, like, terminology, they're very much, like, slang that the different, like, humans or para groups use. It's not, like, the sign when you enter, it's, like, this is Magic Town, it's a bump town, Mm -hmm. or, like, it's an ant race or something like that. Like, that's not exactly how those, like, terminologies are used. Yeah. Um, The other thing to know is that Maddox is kind of, like, the heir to the pack throne he is the next alpha Mm -hmm. Maddox and Colton are both like alpha ish and Mm -hmm. Colton like presses the buttons of Maddox's alphaness a bit Mm -hmm. at times and it's super funny to like watch them almost challenge each other in a way Mm -hmm. they also own like a successful construction company so they got money they're loaded they got money yeah um so, I think it's also important to talk a little bit about Evangeline and Maddox's history before we really dive in. So, of course, as you're reading this book, you kind of learn this as, you know, Maddox kind of reflects a little bit more and as um, Evangeline uncovers some memories. Mm-hmm. So, Maddox and Evangeline have already had, like, a three-year-long relationship. Mm-hmm. They're only together for a year. No, they were together. They lived together for a year. No, they lived together for six months. They were together for a year. She's only missing a year of her life. Oh, she's missing three years. No, she's missing a year of her oh, life. It's gotcha. been three, three years, years since, since the, accident. the accident. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a little background on Evangeline and her upbringing. She is fully human. Her her parents are both fully human. And they're very prejudiced against paras. Mm-hmm. So Evangeline didn't really accept this prejudice and she's not really scared of them. She lived in like a mixed town to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but her parents very much rejected the fact that she was a werewolf's mate. Yeah. They were while not they were together. It. They were not into it. They hated Maddox. They did not like him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Evangeline is kind of herself not, not, not open to being someone's mate, but, like, not excited about it. Um, she doesn't like her choices being taken away. See, but when she, like, reflects back on this towards the end of the book, she realizes, like, I don't think that was a legitimate concern of hers. Mm-hmm. I think that was placed by the villain. That was, like, post-accident concern. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, like, that was a placed fear by the villain. Gotcha. As, like, part of something to further keep her isolated from Maddox. Gotcha. So, um, the main characters are Evangeline. Obviously. Obviously. She works as a book editor, and her parents are super overbearing and yeah. want to control everything. Yeah. Um, then you have Maddox, and then you have Colt, which is Maddox's brother. Mm-hmm. And then you, had, you have Adam, who is Evangeline's childhood tormentor. He becomes her boyfriend. Like, kind of, by default. (laughs) Kind of. He is a guard at the cage where Maddox is being held, and he kind of torments Colton every time Colton comes to visit Maddox. Um, And then we have Naomi, which is Evangeline's mom. Mm -hmm. And then we have Priscilla, which is one of Maddox's, like, childhood friends. Mm -hmm. And she will become more important towards the end of the story. Yes. Um... So, kind of, like, the overarching plot to begin with, just to give you some background, is Evangeline and Maddox were together mm-hmm. for a year. They, she wanted to do, like, the whole, like, human relationship kind of timeline, mm-hmm. and she wanted to be married before they got bonded or before they got a bonded certificate, and he would not fully claim her before getting the certificate, because if he claims her without the certificate and she decides to to change her mind on it, he can technically, I think, be, like, put to death, or I don't know exactly what Ordinance 7304 does, but it's not good. Yeah. So they're kind of at an impasse, and then they end up getting married, Mm -hmm. and then they are supposed to take a honeymoon up to this cabin, Mm -hmm. and on the way to this cabin, they get into a car accident, Mm -hmm. Um, And they go off the side of the mountain. Evangeline is rushed to the hospital. Maddox is not. And he's told that she was dead on arrival at Mm -hmm. the hospital. Um, That's not the case. Mm -hmm. He's been lied to. He was lied to. Um, No one knows besides Colt that they got married. Her parents didn't know that. Um, It was very much like a small secret wedding type thing where only Colt was involved as a witness and so you know her parents don't really accept him as that so somehow they get someone to lie to him and say that she's dead Mm -hmm. and this is kind of why he like freaks out and then gets thrown in the cage yes um so the cage is really where this book starts out we start out with colton going to visit maddox and colton really remarks on how diminished his brother is he's obviously not eating a whole lot he's not taking care of himself and like as a shifter Maddox was like a big dude and mm-hmm. like muscly but in the cage he has to wear a silver collar which prevents him from shifting and obviously he's mourning the death of his mate and his wife 
Mm-hmm. And so he's just, like, not doing really well. So Maddox prefers that Colton only comes to visit him once a month. And Colton has just visited him, like, a day the day before. But Colton's coming back and he's like, I got to tell you something. Maddox is like, what? And Colton's like, so I don't think Evangeline is, like, dead and so he, like, goes through the whole, like, I saw her at a gas station, like, I smelled her, like, she's alive, and everything. And then it takes, Maddox is like, well, I need to get out, get me out of here. And so it takes Colt about a month to get his brother released on parole and everything. Um, really, the courts kind of decide to release him because they can find the record of her still being alive. Mm-hmm. It's not out of, like, goodwill or anything. Yeah. Um, but, like, my question is, how can it be legal to, like, keep him locked up like that when you – when there's, like, legal proof that the person he's claiming and his mate is still alive? I was just kind of assuming that it was, like, the quasi ra- – or not even quasi-racism, just, like, the racism between the well, humans yes. and the paros. Yes, that is, like, very valid – but also, I'm just like, it's definitely not like, legal. How? None of this was legal. Um. So Maddox gets out mm-hmm. and goes to this like para DMV, mm-hmm. and he tries to get information on her, but because they're not like legally bonded. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to give them any information, but he does confirm that Evangeline is still alive. Mm-hmm. So and now he's on the hunt. Right. Um, and then he kind of, like, stays in this, like, one area where Colt found her originally. Mm-hmm. And her sense kind of disappeared. Like, Colt was trying to find her the entire month that um, Maddox was, like, gone. Like, before they got Maddox out and he couldn't find her. He couldn't, like, track her scent anywhere. And besides Maddox, he's, well, I think he is the best tracker in the pack. Mm-hmm. at this point um well, so he's the only one who would remember her scent so vividly right and then we have adam and we have naomi naomi kind of is hinting to evangeline like over this month like that uh she should start dating adam mm-hmm. and this is when we begin to get to know adam and on their first date Adam gives her a new lightly vanilla and baby powder scented perfume. Baby powder is kind of like a witchy trademark we Mm -hmm. learn later in the book. Purple light and the baby powder scent is like... Signs of witchiness. Like in Akatar, where you can like taste copper. Mm Mm-hmm. Or when Farrah can taste copper when magic is being used, that is what baby powder is in this book. Mm-hmm. So immediately, like, I'm suspicious about this perfume on their first date. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Like, that's, like, I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. So later we learn that the perfume was indeed to, like, cover up her, cover scent. Up her scent and everything. Because, because, of course, Adam knew that, like, Maddox was going to be out soon. And he yeah. wanted to prevent him from finding her. Yep, so he, like, took precautions, and now they're dating. When this, like, book really gets started, they're dating. They have, like, a Friday date night. Mm -hmm. And after Maddox is released, Adam, 
like flips a switch and he gets super controlling. He never wants her to leave her apartment. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even want her to go out for coffee. He wants to escort her everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like obviously you get the hint that this is because of Maddox. Mm -hmm. But like Evangeline doesn't know that. Evangeline doesn't know that. And I, I love Maddox. But I'm like lukewarm towards Evangeline. Like I don't love her. I don't hate her. Yeah. But I don't truly like her. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. Like, if a man tried to tell me not to go to a coffee shop and he would come get me on his lunch break and take me to get coffee, I'd be like, um, I would dump him on the spot. Like, we're, we're done, done here. <laughs> like, we're done. We're not dealing with that. That's not a thing. No. And it just shows, like, how much trauma her parents have truly put her through that she's that accepting of controlling behavior. Yeah. It's also at this point that it's kind of revealed that Evangeline almost lives her life according to the schedule of, like, when her mother's going to call her throughout the day. And Mm -hmm. she's relied really heavily upon her mom and her dad, too, but more so her mom over the past three years because her mom's been the one to, quote-unquote, fill in the gaps in her memory, Mm -hmm. which are totally false. Yeah, because, like, she has that, like, year's worth of memories that have been lost. Mm -hmm. (sighs) and I just (sighs) we hate her mom I hate her mom so much Mm um like I don't like I I don't so every time she tries to remember like that year that's gone missing Mm -hmm. she gets really bad headaches and she gets like dreams that don't really make sense Mm -hmm. she has like nightmares where someone else was in the car with her during her accident because everyone tells her that she was alone and they're not really sure why she was driving on that road and she has these like nightmares of her not being alone and she thinks they're like false realities Mm -hmm. um but in reality they're obviously the truth Mm -hmm. um So, Maddox is obviously desperate to find Evangeline. So, even though he doesn't find her the first day and doesn't see her son, he keeps coming back to that same area. And he's, like, kind of standing patrol. And eventually, he's like, you know what? I need some coffee. So, he's like, there's a coffee shop right there. It'll take me five minutes. I'll be in and out. And who does he find in the coffee shop? Evangeline. Of course. So, in their first encounter, he kind of just, like, stares her down awkwardly because she doesn't know who he is. And And he, like, is very, like, cautious of the fact that there's no recognition in her eyes whatsoever. And he's like, wait, how does she not know me? Yeah. Like, he thought that they were going to be together again and everything would just snap back into place like that. But that hasn't been the case. Nope. Um... Their bond hasn't even, like, re-bonded? What's yeah. the word I'm looking like, for? Repaired? Like, repaired itself. Yeah. Um. So, Evangeline kind of gets her coffee and everything, and then she goes to, like, leave, and then, like, he follows her, and she realizes he's following her, so she, like, runs to her apartment, mm-hmm. and, like, she's scared that he's following her, but at the same time, she's super, super intrigued. Mm-hmm. And so we can already see, like, the beginnings of the Maybomb kind of showing itself again. Mm-hmm. And obviously Maddox tries to get into the apartment to, like, say hello and, like, to talk to her. But the wards keep him out because she has very 
strong. Yes, strong's the word. Wards that protect against paranormals and against any humans or literally anyone coming in to, like, her building without her say-so. Yeah. Which, Which is cool. It's super cool. Like, can I get one of those, please? <laughs> yes. I would love that. Yeah. Um, so she really lives she, – she's very habitual. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she goes back the next day for coffee. Mm-hmm. And knowing her and her being a habitual creature and the fact that she, like, loves coffee and everything, because that's actually where they first met, mm-hmm. was a coffee shop. And so he decides to just kind of recreate the first, you know, Encounter. few months of their relationship and stuff. Mm-hmm. And kind of take it slow to begin with. hmm so, I believe this time when she comes in, Maddox is sitting down at a booth or something, and she kind of approaches him because she's is drawn to him. She just can't explain why. And so, she sits down, and they actually have a coffee together and chat for a little bit, and Max is, like, really happy about this, which was sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I feel like, does this happen for a couple of days or, like, two days? I think it's, or... like, two or three days. It's not very long. So, like, no. Maddox is, like, just trying to go easy and be slow and, like, try to slowly get to know her. But after a few days, he's, like, this is taking too long. You are not remembering. We need to try something different. So, what does he do? He kidnaps her. And drugs her. See, but... The thing here is that during one of these encounters, he overhears a phone conversation between her and Adam, where, like, Adam's like, I love you, and she's like, see you tonight, (laughs) or, like, makes kissy noises, and so he gets insanely jealous, Mm -hmm. and this is where he's like, yeah, I'm gonna need to step it up. Yeah. Um, So, he orders her a new coffee, spikes it, and then drags her back to the cabin they were supposed to go to for their honeymoon. Um, and so, of course, she wakes up and she's pissed. Yeah. She's Uh, not even scared. She's just pissed. Yeah, like, same girl. (laughs) So, like, he tries to give her food and stuff, and then he, like, leaves her alone because she's, like, not ready to be, like, near him. Mm -hmm. And so he's, like, trying to explain that they're mates and, like, what's going on and everything. And then she, like, jumps out the window after he's left her alone sprains her ankle and tries to like run away and obviously he catches her because he's a werewolf i don't know why you're running yeah um and he takes her back to the house he stops locking her in her room because he's like well i don't want you to keep hurting yourself if you're going to try to escape and they stay at the cabin for i want to say maybe like two days i think it's like two days to like a week yeah, somewhere in there. It's not very long at all. Um, but Maddox receives word that Adam is looking for Evangeline and, like, he is hot on their trail. So Maddox is like, okay, like, I need to get you to remember ASAP. So he takes a chance, drugs her once again, and takes them to the home that they shared together. Mm-hmm. And is like, well, maybe being in this home that you lived in will help. And Evangeline wakes up and she's upset again because, like, she was drugged. Again. He deserves that. Yeah. Um, but um, she's, like, kind of unnerved because the bedroom that she's in is decorated almost exactly the same as she decorated her bedroom and her apartment. 
which I thought was super intriguing, the fact that she doesn't remember Mm -hmm. it, but, like, sensory-wise, she tried, like, subconsciously she made it look almost exactly the same. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It really was. Like, I, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. So, they're in their home, and, of course, she's upset, and Max, like, okay, like, I didn't want to have to do this because I wanted you to just remember, but he finally shows her um, their marriage license and pictures from their wedding day, and she finally starts to realize, like, wait, like, he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And so... And then he also has a tattoo on his heart of the day that they got married Mm -hmm. and so the first time she sees him with his shirt off she's like well why do you have that and then she's like that's the day of my accident like things start to click more throughout like all of this yes yep so now that she believes him she climbs into bed with him they have sex he He claims claims her. her All is wellish. Yeah. They go get their bonding certificate. They're, like, legally bonded and everything. And as they're leaving the bonding place, Evangeline gets kidnapped. Yep. By Um, Priscilla. By Priscilla. So, throughout this entire book, you kind of get the sense that, like, there's not something quite right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Evangeline's memories are, like, gone. Uh And... She has headaches. She even ha- almost has a seizure at one point. Mm-hmm. She sees a purple flash and mm-hmm. then has a lot of pain. And she actually is visited by Priscilla in a dream. And Priscilla's like, stay away from my man. And Evangeline's like, that was a weird dream. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I just, I guess I've read too many, like, paranormal books or something. Because, like, I really just wanted her to be like... These aren't dreams. These are really happening. I'm not crazy. But she doesn't, like, ever. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is, like, her parents have told her that the weird dreams that she has about the accident are just dreams. Like, there's no substance to them. I mean, I guess that's true. So, after it's kind of revealed that she's been kidnapped and everything, Maddox kind of realizes that Priscilla's behind it and we have like the big baddie like speech thing going on Mm -hmm. where they reveal like the whole plot and everything Mm -hmm. and basically Priscilla was behind their accident she meant for Evangeline to die but that didn't really work out Mm -hmm. um she's been accumulating diamonds because part of the way that witches enhance their power is through diamonds and it kind of concentrates their spells and everything Mm -hmm. so she's been kind of lone wolfing it and wow that was a really bad pun Mm. um she's been like lone wolfing it and accumulating all of these diamonds so that Mm -hmm. she can make a mate bond with maddox because she believes they should be mates Mm -hmm. and she thinks the mating bond thing just hasn't like gone through clicked and she thinks the mating bond chose wrong when it chose evangeline Mm -hmm. and you know normal villain stuff yeah part of the mate bond for werewolves is that they don't actually get like a boner or like an erection like the males don't until they find their true mate yeah and as i was rethinking about this like how how are the females affected like the female wolves i don't like, know that was a question that i had too like do they or do they just not feel arousal until they're with their mate like 
can the female wolves be the hoes? Like, that would be, <laughs> that would be, like, an amazing turn of events. Like, yeah. oh, yes. Males can't even get aroused without their mate. But females, you can have all the fun. Yeah. You and want. And, like, what if it's, like, a same-sex couple? Like, two women. Like, the whole claiming, not ceremony, but, like, the claiming act would be mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So that was another kind of critique that we had of this book that it was this whole series really was not very diverse. It was like, you know, your normal hetero romance all the way through. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's kind of what it's like meant to be. Yeah, like that's just what like that's just where she decided to go with it, like the para yeah trope thing. I just would have loved to see because I think there are supposed to be six books in this series. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see in a series of that size some more diversity you know yeah especially because we have questions yeah yeah i definitely feel that but anyways priscilla does her big baddie yes stuff she tries to create a mating bond between her and maddox with the diamonds but it fails yes um maddox kind of comes in well originally him and Colt, like, split up, and Maddox is like, I'm closer to this location that Priscilla might have taken her, and Colt's like, well, I'm closer to this one, and so Colt goes, and he's like, yep, I found her, he calls Maddox, Maddox is like, okay, I'll be there, like, pretty soon, just wait for me to get there, mm-hmm. no need for, like, you to go in by yourself and get hurt or mm-hmm. something, and so Colt obviously doesn't listen to him. They never do. Nope. Um, so he goes in, he gets thrown out the window by Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a little poetic justice. I really like Colt, but also, like, don't be a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't be dumb. And kind of throughout the book, there's been this kind of undercurrent subplot of, like, Colton hating witches, but also him revealing that, like, he's kind of been made into one, but he's in total denial of it. This is just kind of just setting up the next book. Um, so he's also in denial of the fact that she is a witch. Oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. So when he is tasked with finding a witch, I think we kind of glossed over this part. We definitely Maddox has him trying to track down a witch that can repair their bond. So he talks to one of the coven, like, leaders, and she's like, nope, once a bond's been severed, it can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, But then she hints at the fact that, like, he's already been touched by a witch, Mm -hmm. and he's already made it to a witch. Yeah. And... He's pissed about it. Yeah. So, originally, when, like, it first, like, hinted to the fact that he had already found his mate, I thought he'd found his mate, like, two or three years ago, right around the same time that, like, Maddox Mm -hmm. went missing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, Evangeline went missing, and Mm -hmm. I thought he was rejecting the whole, like, mate circumstance, because he didn't want to be mated yet, and he didn't want the consequences of being, like, Maddox. Yeah. If I thought, his mate was lost. When that was hinted at in the beginning, I thought that he was going to be also mated to Evangeline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know why, but, like... Because I like reverse guess. harems. That, too. Because I like the reverse harems. I like yeah. the worm. I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. But I feel like I would have warned you if that yeah. were the case. Like, I would have been, like... You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but I know you've never really read these kinds of books, so there will be, like, more than one mate. Yeah. If that were the fact. Yeah. But it was Which not. now, like, I'm kind of intrigued. I can recommend some. Okay. 
All right, we'll talk about that after we finish this. <laughs> I can um, recommend some. <laughs> are we done with the plot? Um, so like Maddox comes in, Priscilla and him fight, and Priscilla ends up getting away, and that's basically like yeah. it. It's basically like the we'll be back whole yeah. situation. So yeah, villain weak sauce. I did not like the villain. Like no. it was just too convenient to like wrap everything up. Yeah. Which, like, this is not, like, a classic great work of fiction that's going to win, like, the Pulitzer Prize. It's just not, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, like, crapping on that at all. But, like, I really enjoyed this book. And, like, you, like, want more diversity and everything. Yeah. But for me, these, like, purely shifter faded romance tropes... Mm -hmm are like a palate cleanser yeah they're like okay i don't have to think too hard about this this is going to be cheesy this is going to be like a Mm rom-com but with the fantasy added yes that makes it so much more palatable to me i don't know why i have issues with like normal contemporary romances because you just want a vampire (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but I feel like they're just not possessive enough for me. I really like my men with a side of possessiveness. See? In the possessiveness... Possessiveness of the of Maddox and of Colton in the next book, like... I don't know, because I was reading a rom-com earlier, and I've been reading them throughout this week as audiobooks while I read these books as, like, hard copies. Um, and, like the possessive man just like the regular possessive man like that does it for me like the shifter possessiveness is like too much like the whole I have a lot of like questions about the whole shifter thing and like I don't hate it but also like I'm not I don't think I'm fully on board with it either especially maybe not this iteration of a shifter you know Mm -hmm. but like the whole thing where like they literally can't get their emotions under control until they like have their mate in their arms and like sniff their heads that no like, I need you to be an, an independent grown adult and handle your shit, please. <laughs> like, I can't, no. I can't deal with that. But, like, and also, the boner thing. What the hell? In this book, I feel like it was, like, because I've read the rest of the series that's out. And in the rest of the series, like, it's mentioned, like, you find your mate, you get a boner. But, like, in this book, I feel like it was talked about, like, every four paragraphs. And I'm just like, look, I get it. I don't need to hear about it, like, every 10 seconds. <laughs> that was just my opinion. See, I was a little annoyed by that as well, but also I'm just, like, meh. Yeah, like, it's not a huge concern. It's just, like, I've never read one of these before, so, like, yeah. Like, yeah, mates have raging boners. It's just a thing. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I did enjoy this book. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I finished the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd give it like a 3.75, I think. I think I'd probably give it about a three and a half. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy the main character as much as I wanted to. Yeah, I agree. Um, she's just very, I, I think it was like that she was just kind of like willing to comply with her mother's demands. Yeah. I need I more think... rebelliousness. Yeah. Um, also, on your whole, like, I need you to be a grown up doll and get your shit together, they're only like that when their mate has been in trouble. Hmm. I guess that's true, but that's, like, this whole book, so. Yeah, that that's true. But, like, 
they can handle everything and be independent adults. Just, like, don't threaten their mate. I don't know, dude. Like, shifter romances have that, like, morally gray villain character thing Mm -hmm. where they're like, I will tear down the world to save her. Which usually I'm totally on board with. And they're, like, super possessive and they get super jealous. And I just, I love that. Basically, I love the idea of being the center of one's world. Yeah. I like it. Yep. I don't think I could handle it in real life. I think it would annoy me. Yeah, I could not. To no end. I feel like I would be like, no, only my fictional men can be this way. See, that's what I think is so hilarious, that our taste in real men and fictional men is so different. See, I watched this TikTok. I don't remember who it was by, but she was like, three things I absolutely love in fictional men, but I would, like, throat punch in a real man. And it was, like, possessiveness, jealousy, and, like, it was, like, something else. And I was just like, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Is that, like, no. I was going to say that, like, a sign of deeper psychological trauma, but, like, probably. Well, I'm in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll ask my therapist about that next time I'm there. Okay. Let's let's get some outside info. A professional opinion. Yes. Yes. Anyways, oh, let's give this, like, a spice rating, too. I felt like it was only, like, even with all the boner talk, like, it was only, like, lightly spicy. Yeah. Like I'd only give it, like, one or two peppers. Yeah, that's what I would say, too. It's a pretty... Like, it's not PG-13, Like, it's not super like, clean. Yeah. There's not a lot of sex. No. And it's not even, like, there's a ton of sexual tension, either. No. I don't feel like. Like, it's not, like, a build-up or anything. Not in this one, no. Mm-mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so probably, like, one. Like, maybe, like, a 16 and up rating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys, but I think that's going to wrap up this review. Um, As I said, I read the rest of the books in the series. Um, The next one follows Colton and his reluctant mate. Um, The one after that follows Adam, and something happens to Adam in Colton's book that makes him paranormal. So, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's that. Um, And then the fourth one actually follows Colton's ghost friend, Dodge, which... We only very briefly meet in this book. Mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant with the whole ghost thing, but I was very pleasantly surprised. See, and that one is the one I'm most intrigued for. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm -hmm. I thought it was super cute. And it does have flashbacks. That makes me happy. Yeah. So, I think that's, like, for real is the end of this episode. (laughs) We hope that you guys enjoyed it. Let us know if you have read this book or if you have, like, a favorite shifter trope book that like i should check out or that jess should check out but i feel like she's probably read most of them by now a good chunk of them good chunk of them (laughs) make sure that if you guys are enjoying our podcast you're following it on your favorite podcasting platform and leaving us a rating or review it really helps us out and make sure you follow us on social media as well it's always linked down below but that's it from us today thanks for listening